0: Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the lead pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We spend these 25 minutes together every week telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We always want to start by personally inviting you to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. We have Japanese and Korean translation available during that 11 a.m. service, and that is the service also that is available via live stream. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. Pastor Walton is going to introduce our guest for today in just a moment, but let's begin by welcoming him. Pastor Gary, welcome.
1: day, Chris. Good to see you, and it's really good to have our audience listening in again today. We're privileged this week to have a special team of servants of God with us on campus and on island, and I'm happy today to be able to introduce to you Pastor Steve Viers, who's the lead pastor at Faith Church in Lafayette, Indiana. I'll tell you about him in a minute, but first of all, welcome, Pastor Steve.
2: Thanks, Pastor Garrett. It's great to
1: be with you. And then along with him is uh, Pastor Dustin Folden. Uh Dustin's also on the pastoral team at Faith in Lafayette and been a friend for a long time, but welcome to Guam, Dustin.
3: It's great to be here.
1: Faith Church has been sponsoring a uh, counseling ministry for many years. In fact, if you have been listening to Harvest Time over the last couple of weeks, we had a chance to interview long-distance Pastor Viers uh, two weeks ago, and then last week had a chance to uh, connect with Pastor Aaron Burke. And so their whole team is now on island. They're with us, and we're getting ready to launch. In fact, as you're listening to this, we'll already be in the middle of – uh, really intensive week of training and counseling and just biblical understanding of the scriptures and uh Pastor Steve, maybe uh, just coming back to this, your church in Lafayette's been involved in counseling ministry for a long time.
2: We have. We've had the privilege of having a biblical counseling center um, available to people in our community and our church for 45 years now. And I'm very glad for my predecessors, uh, Pastor Bill Good and Dr. Bob Smith, a medical doctor, who had the vision um, to try to bring the truth of the Word of God to every person who had questions. About um, some area of suffering that was going on in their heart and life, or um, some aspect of sinning that they believed God wanted them to change. And um, it's been a marvelous opportunity for us just to make truth from the Word of God available to anybody in our community who wanted it. Hmm.
1: You're actually going to be preaching as well on Sunday, uh, both services uh, at Harvest. Can you give us a, a little bit of a preview for what's going to be happening Sunday morning?
2: Yeah, and I just want to say, I've. Um, I've been on island now for about a day. and um, just, love what's happening here, love the culture here, and so it's an incredible honor for me to be able to teach the Word of God in your church family, and I hope everybody within the sound of our voice will decide, even if they don't normally come to Harvest, to come to church this Sunday. Mm-hmm. And You know, we're going to um, start just by talking about three um, true vignettes, um, short stories of people who are facing real difficulties, and, and, and the question I want to pose to all of us is, where and to whom should people like this go for help? And they were non-medical, non-physiological issues, but they were serious matters in these persons' lives. And I believe that persons like this ought to go to a church, and they ought to hear truth from the sufficient Word of God. But that is the question that every person has to wrestle with. Anytime you have a question, anytime you're struggling in some way, it's a a matter philosophically of epistemology, my, my source of truth and um, I believe that God's Word is sufficient and so we're gonna dive into Psalm 19 and we're gonna look at just a marvelous description of the Word of God not just from a theological or even biblical perspective but from the practical question of do you really believe this and when you're facing difficulties throughout the week because you're turning to the Word of God, does it truly demonstrate that you believe this? And if not, why should you consider bringing your life more in line with what Psalm 19 has to say about the sufficiency of God's Word?
1: Man, I can't wait for that. And, uh, and I would just say we really feel honored that you and your team have been willing to come. I, I know that you got a lot of stuff going on in your ministry, and so uh, I want to second your comment about inviting anybody to come. I I think if you'll be a part of what's going on at Harvest this weekend, you'll be blessed, and maybe God will change your life in some dramatic way. So let me invite you as well. Dustin, we've been friends uh, for a few years now. In fact, I had the privilege of uh, officiating – at uh, your marriage, you and Tricia, uh, I, I don't know, how many years ago now? 16 years. 16 2006. Years. Wow, that was a, a few years ago. It's been really cool to see what God's done in your life, and, and I'm so thankful for, you know, your uh, willingness to serve Him. Tell us a little bit about your family. Of course, Faith and I love Tricia and love you um, and your kids, so tell us about your family.
3: Absolutely. So Tricia, my wife, and I, we married for, you know, since 2006, yeah. and uh, just loved— um, the joy of growing together. Uh, a lot of that foundation was laid when I was back at uh, Faith Church in Lafayette, just how to grow and seeking to build a marriage on, on Christ. And uh, by God's grace, he's given us three uh, lovely children. So McKenna is 11. Uh, wow. she loves 11 playing, years old. Yeah, 11 man. years old. Loves playing piano, loves school. Uh, Sawyer's nine, and uh, he loves to draw and really into engineering stuff. And then Reese, our, our latest blessing, uh, one year old, and he loves to chew on things. <laughs> Well,
1: maybe I've got some questions for you uh, as we go along here, just kind of about family and the, mm-hmm. the challenges of family, uh, you know, kind of in this season right now. Um, Pastor Steve, uh, your church is very community-oriented. Um, I know as I've been there, actually multiple times, both for the counseling training and other areas, I, I think I was there maybe the first year after the, the home, the singles, the single ladies. Actually, I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Sh- I don't know what it's used for right now, but I just remember just being so impressed, I guess, with how God is using your church to really care for people community-wise. Can you tell us about that and maybe what, what that passion is for you?
2: Well, you know, I think every church and every individual follower of Christ has to decide, how am I going to position myself regarding those around me who don't yet know the Lord? And it's a rather challenging question, and there's multiple answers from the Word of God, but one passage that drives us is from the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus said, um, Let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And I believe that glorifying God means giving others the right opinion of him. In other words, as we relate ourselves to those around us who don't know the Lord, they ought to have a better understanding of the character of God, the attributes of God, because they have rubbed up with, against us. And so we want them to know that we love them and we care about them. And it doesn't matter what they might be struggling with. It doesn't really even matter what they might believe at the time. We just want to love our neighbors every way we possibly can. And so what that meant for us was about 16, 17 years ago, we were getting ready to build a new auditorium, and we were talking about that in a leadership meeting one night, and one of our guys said, is that the best use of that money? to build a big building that's going to sit vacant for six and a half days a week. Not that it would have been wrong for anybody else, but is that really what we need to be doing? And and one of our guys said, well, if we didn't do that, what else would we do? And somebody said, well, how about if we just used it to show love to our neighbors? And so we said, you know, shame on us. I'm not even sure how we would do that, let's ask our neighbors. Hmm. So not let's ask our neighbors what they want us to believe or what they want us to teach on Sunday, but ask our neighbors to educate us about the greatest needs in this part of town and then let's just try to put these resources toward loving our neighbors better. And so we surveyed all of our neighbors, and um, we got hundreds and hundreds of responses, and it was fascinating. They said, you know, we're glad for all the residential growth, the commercial development, the infrastructure, but who cares about the social needs of people and living in this side of town? So who cares about single moms? Who cares about at-risk children? Who cares about teenagers who are struggling? Who cares about senior citizens? Who cares about community athletics? Who cares about people who are struggling with addictions? As odd as it might sound, what they were saying to us is, you want to show love to us, build a YMCA. So that's essentially what we did. We built a community center. That was the first of now three that we have around our community. But we're just looking for as many ways as we possibly can all week long to love our neighbors, to meet needs that they might have, so that we can then develop relationships where we can have more substantive, redemptive conversations with them.
1: I'm so amazed by that and encouraged, challenged by it. What's the fruit that you've seen 16 years ago, kind of a maybe almost a change of direction of what you thought you were doing?
2: Well, I think the big part of the fruit is that we have had more interaction with our neighbors um, than ever before. And I'll give you an example, even since I've, since I've been here in Guam, I still have to do administrative work. And so each one of our community centers has um, meeting rooms. So we make them available for people who want to have birthday parties or anniversary celebrations or some sort of class. Now, so I just got an email. There's a group of Muslims who would like to have an event um, at one of our community centers. Is that okay? Well, how else are we going to win people who are Muslims to Christ? At least have some sort of a redemptive conversation with them. And so the answer is yes, absolutely. And so, you know, a few months ago I was walking through one of our community centers and there was a group of Muslims having a birthday party. And I just stopped and said, Is that okay? Well, how else are you going to win them? And mm-hmm. so the 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 impact has been we have more um, just natural opportunities to rub shoulders with our neighbors as we seek to love them any way we possibly can. And then when they have a question, when they have a need, it's much more likely they're going to turn to the church, they're going to turn to our biblical counseling center as a place to have that more substantive need addressed. And And we don't want our neighbors to ever wonder, would the church care about me? Hmm. Would, would the church want to talk with right. me? Does the church want to have a relationship? And so some of these lower-level community outreach ministries, that's what allows us to communicate that message very, very clearly. The answer is yes, yes, yes. And the reason is because the God of heaven and earth loves you, and he wants to have a relationship. And he demonstrated that most supremely when he sent his son to die on the cross for us.
1: Justin, you have, uh, you know, I think in your college years, we're, we're maybe uh, blessed by God used Faith Church in their outreach on campus at Purdue University, right? Yep. To kind of connect with your heart. And then you've watched this transition, you've, you've been a part of it. I want to ask you about the counseling part, but, you know, kind of as you've watched and then grown into leadership, how have you seen it shape the church?
3: Well, one of the ways that I've seen it shape the church is a willingness for folks to be vulnerable and grow in community. And so, in counseling, you're inviting someone else into your life to help you grow to become more like Christ, and that's that's scary. That's opening yourself up. And the more um, individuals that I have the privilege to work with in counseling, as they're more vulnerable, and as we help them get into community, they often take that same growth and that experience. And they share it with others in a Sunday school class or in a small group. And uh, oftentimes what they're growing, how they're changing to become more like Christ, they share with others. And it starts in that one-on-one discipleship, mentorship, uh, counseling relationship, but it impacts the whole body because as they grow, they take what they're growing, their excitement for Jesus and how they're uh, growing and changing, and they share with others. And that uh, tends to be um, impactful on others around them in a very, very good, God-glorifying way. So your counseling ministry is uh,
1: is available to your church? Is that it, or or what's?
3: No, we have a counseling on Mondays that we open up to the community, mm-hmm. so anybody can apply for that, and we love to seek to get to know folks. And many times, um, people don't have a church home, and one of the ways that we help them get connected to the community is we help them get into a church, and so that can oftentimes be a great outreach opportunity for folks who don't know Christ. They learn about him in the counseling room, and then oftentimes getting into community, into the church. It's just a great um, opportunity for outreach.
1: Yeah, and as I've watched your church over the years, I I probably came to uh, Faith and I, my wife and I did counseling training in the late 90s, and I think I'd mentioned before, Steve, I, I had you and and Dr. Good for some training, both in Bible college and in seminary as well, but we sort of were on campus there in, in Lafayette. And I've watched how that burden for counseling has, has shaped your church, mm-hmm. too. Um, maybe you answered this before, but what's the burden that drives that? What's the passion that drives that?
2: Well, I think, for, first of all, it's just to be sure that every person in our community has had a clear um presentation of the good news of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. 65% of the people who live in our town um, do not have any church home. And so we want every person in our town to have had a a genuine interaction with a person who knows the Lord, followed by a clear presentation of the gospel message. Now, Now, what that person decides to do with that, that's between them and the Lord. But whether or not we're trying to make that available to them, that's between us and the Lord. And it really does come down to, do I care about those around me who don't yet know Christ? Do do I care about those who maybe have never heard the gospel before? And we want, for every member of our church, we want the answer to that question to be a resounding yes. And as Dustin was just saying, since such a significant percentage of the people who come to our counseling center from our community don't yet know the Lord, that becomes one of our most effective outreach ministries. When it comes down to fruit, and we, we, you know, every so often we'll analyze the different people who have become members of our church, asking the question, what was our first connection with them? What's working? And it's amazing, year after year after year, one of the number one answers to the question, how did that person who just became baptized or just became a member of our church, what was our first connection with them? Many times, the number one answer is through the doors of our counseling center. So if we're really concerned about winning our community to Jesus Christ, and if having a community-based counseling ministry is that effective, that's the passion that drives it.
1: It feels like our world is changing so rapidly. I mean, even just over the last couple of years, what we thought was true or even knew to be true a few years ago, it feels like everything's been turned you know, on its ears. Um, you know, maybe this is too big of a of a question, but I think it all relates together. the The hope for the church in a world that's so rapidly changing.
2: Well, there's a sense in which that's good news for, from this perspective. That the more and more our culture becomes secularized the more more it also disintegrates. Um, The the way of the transgressor is hard, Mm. Solomon taught. And I I hate to see people have to deal with the consequences of their own unbelief, the consequences of their sin. But that does make men and women more and more open to the gospel, especially as other um, things that they have tried in order to find fulfillment, to find joy— um, have left them unsatisfied. And so there's a sense in which, yes, the world is getting worse and worse, but I think that makes it just that much easier for the, um, the church to be the bright light that God has called us to be. And it's, you know, it's like that old story of the two sales, a shoe salesman who was sent to India to sell shoes. So the first guy gets off the plane, no one's wearing shoes, and he calls back and says, cancel all my orders because no one's wearing shoes. Second guy gets off the plane and says, back to the office, double all my orders. Nobody's wearing shoes. And so I think that the church has an opportunity just to look at the, um, the disintegration of our culture and say, my, oh, my, what an incredible opportunity. And I think it makes it that much easier for us just to live and proclaim the gospel. And um, persons respond because that's the hope that they're not finding anywhere else. That's
1: really good. Um, yeah, I've been thinking more and more, and just maybe preaching to myself, but trying to communicate to our church family too that we were made
2: for this. Absolutely, our generation.
1: Absolutely. This isn't a mistake that God plopped us in some place we're not ready for. God designed that this generation, not my generation, the generation that's coming after, we were made for this age. He yep. gave us everything that we need to be equipped uh, to effectively deal with this. Dustin, as as your church, particularly in this counseling area, is experiencing, you know, maybe some of this change. Do you do you get the sense? These are the two things that I just heard uh, Pastor Steve talk about. Um, one is. You know the greater struggles that people are facing in, and then the other is a greater hunger. Are you seeing both? You know, in kind of in the counseling, you know, general counseling for the church.
3: Yeah, what I find is when people come in and their marriage is hanging on by a thread, mm-hmm. and they're broken, and they know they're experts in what does not work, and they're hungry for a different way. And when we begin to lay out a Christ-centered approach to marriage or parenting or relationships, that that brokenness, um, they're ready and hungry for something because they've tried a bunch of other things that has not been effective, and and now not focusing on what they want individually, but what Christ wants and how he can be what really holds them together. Oftentimes, they just want more and more and more because it's it's so refreshing and different and not focused on themselves. Um, It's focused on Christ. So it's just that hunger um, Christ satisfies. Yeah, so marriage... Identity,
1: right? Um, Who I am, what I've tried that's not worked, right? All that brings that sense of loss. Steve, have you guys, um, you know, the perspective of Christians, uh, particularly, I mean, it just feels like it's happening so rapidly, but there's almost uh, Christians are viewed with more antagonism than before, um, really seen as maybe before, not before, was just kind of different. Uh, but, but now, you know, maybe seen uh, sort of bigoted, socially
2: unacceptable, has that impacted you? What's that mean for the church? Well, it has. You know, we um, our uh, local city council just proposed an ordinance recently that would have criminalized um, using God's word with minors when discussing human sexuality at a threatened fine of $1,000 a day. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, we had the... the God-given privilege of stepping into the public square and talking about some very important biblical and theological issues related to sufficiency of scripture, related to religious liberty and that sort of thing. And by God's grace, our city council was willing to withdraw that ordinance. And so, yeah, we're in a university town, Purdue University, one of the Big Ten schools as part of our community. And I love being in a university town, Mm -hmm. but that brings with it some cultural liberalism. But you know what? I want to be at the tip of the spear. I want to be where um, the the needs are greatest. I'm not looking for an easy job. And so I I appreciate what you just said. If if God has raised this generation up to face some unique challenges, if that's his sovereign will for us, then praise the Lord. Life goes too fast just to sit around and look for some easy job. But on the other hand, you know, um, it, it is true that there are some people who are antagonistic toward the truth of the word of God. However, it's pretty hard to argue with pudding that tastes really good. In, in other words, the proof is in the pudding. When hmm. you've been doing something for 45 years, um, and even to this day, that we have nearly 30 people trained and ready to provide biblical counseling services to people in our community free of charge, last time I checked, our waiting list was 45 to 50 wow. individuals and families waiting to get in. And that's not because we have big billboards somewhere, we have a great advertising campaign. We do no advertising. It's all done through word of mouth. And so what that means is, there's a significant number of our people who are very thankful for biblical counseling because they've seen the product in their lives or the life of somebody they work with or somebody that they love. And so there's this constant attention of um, some people who don't yet love the Lord, they don't yet love his word, but there's also clear evidence that Jesus Christ is at work in positively changing people's lives. How do you argue against that?
1: Dustin, we mentioned earlier the idea of uh, you know, just raising a young family in this culture. I mean, Pastor Steve just talking about this proof in the pudding kind of thing. What's the fruit that you're seeing in, the, in your children, and what are the challenges for that?
3: Yeah, helping my kids see every trial— as an opportunity to, to get to their own heart, their own heart desires and how to grow and change to put Christ first, um, having a, a daughter going into middle school and navigating relationships and uh, thinking about being a godly friend and having um, the love of Christ satisfy her so she can serve others and not expect things from other people and helping her analyze those patterns of what she desires in those relationships has been super helpful from a parenting standpoint. Um, Helping my son think about uh, working hard when no one's looking, having self-control of not just his body, but his words, his mind, and just seeing these patterns. Uh, Just the biblical counseling philosophy and and, and viewpoint of putting Christ at the center helps analyze all these patterns Um, and just being able to teach them at an early age to analyze their own heart patterns and put off what is not Christ-centered, renew their thinking about what's important to them, and put on a Christ-likeness, and then enjoy the blessings relationally and just all the ministry opportunities that come from living in a Christ-centered way. That's been just a delight for parenting, but we're not we're not done yet, mm-hmm. and uh, definitely the, the challenge of navigating relationships is ever-present, but keeping Christ uh, as the focus is always the priority. Yeah,
1: part of the conference that we're in the middle of right now, I think there's three sessions— on uh, family dynamics marriage family um, I, I'm just so thankful you guys for your willingness to come and uh, and be part of this be used of God uh, we hope in a in the ongoing process that God's doing and training up another generation a whole different place that would have a biblical foundation of the sufficiency of the scriptures and an understanding that that we all can use the scriptures to apply to the stuff that we're going through. We don't have to wait for a pastor or you know, somebody that's been in seminary. God can equip us not only to help ourselves deal with the stuff that we're going through, but actually to help other people. So I really appreciate um, so much. Thank you for being willing to come and, and really sharing your hearts with us.
2: Well, you know, it always takes um, a host church, a, a pastor, a staff, who really um, is passionate about not only making this available to their church family, but to other churches and believers. You know, we've had the privilege of doing this in a lot of places around the world, and I'm very, very thankful for those local churches that have caught this vision and wanted to implement it and share it. And, And your team has done such a marvelous job of organizing and promoting and just treating us with incredible graciousness. So thank you for being such marvelous hosts.
1: Well, we're thankful for the relationship and uh, looking forward to that. I meant to mention at the beginning, uh, even as we're encouraging you to come and join us on Sunday, uh, Pastor Viers, uh, his ministry has really been broad in a lot of areas, but he's author of several books, uh, putting, uh, putting Your Past in Place. Is that right? I can't read my own writing. Loving Your Community, Overcoming Bitterness, and Do You Believe What God Says About You? and uh, each of these really hit very practical needs for us spiritually and so if anybody wants to look those up they're available but mostly i'd invite you to come and be part of the services on sunday and just hear from god and i think a servant of god who wants to use the scripture to allow the scripture to really impact lives so thanks you guys for being here looking forward to our
2: time thank you very much
0: thank you and thank you for listening to harvest time well as you know at this point in the program we always want to personally invite you to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. There's Japanese and Korean translation available during that 11 a.m. service. And that's also the service that's available via live stream at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. This week, Pastor Steve Viers, as we mentioned earlier, will be with us. You'll want to make sure you attend This Week at Harvest. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.